0: Uh, it is the first Sunday at Advent. We, we should be focusing on the birth of Christ, and we are, uh, but we're going to talk about something a little different. Uh, we're going to use Paul's message in Romans to actually kind of talk about hope uh, and tie it into first Sunday at Advent, tied into the birth of Christ, but also tied into uh, the death of Christ on the cross. Uh, but before we get into the passage, uh, which you can see in your bulletin is Romans 8, 9 through 17, I want to talk a, a little bit about a different part of Romans uh, that Paul wrote to kind of give some background or the reason or so of why Paul actually wrote what we're going to study today. And my hope and my prayer as I've been preparing for this is that the passion and love that you're about to see from Paul kind of translates through me to you guys today and so that it'll encourage and inspire you to live a life as we'll see, led by the Spirit. Uh, but Paul says this, and I'll just read it for you. Uh, it's in Romans nine one through three. Uh, and, and real quick, I, I got to mention this too. You got to remember that Paul, before writing in the Bible or, or whatever he did, Paul was someone who martyred Christians, was against Christianity. Remember, he saw Jesus face to face, literally, and was blinded for three days and saw the light. And so Paul kind of came face to face with God and, and kind of realized that maybe what Jesus was saying when he was on Earth was real. And from that moment on, Saul was. Now, Paul, and Paul went on to do many things in the New Testament, and uh, David got on me because I said Old Testament earlier, but Paul wrote a lot in the New Testament uh, about how we should be encouraged, really establish the church, and where we should go in our walk with Christ, and so Paul has this passion and love for people, and again, I hope this is what you kind of grasp on today, too. Romans 9, 1 through 3, he says, I speak the truth in Christ... I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. Uh, one, one quick thing. He says this, that he's not lying. And not only is he not lying, but, but he even says that the Holy Spirit is holding me accountable for what I'm about to say. So you know that what he's about to say is truth. What he's about to say, he means it. He's not making it up. He's not lying. This is what Paul, uh, after his conversion, kind of grasped and took onto. Verse 2, it says this. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race. And, and maybe we've heard that verse before, but, but, but listen to exactly what Paul's saying. He's saying on, on behalf, and he's, remember, he's testifying through Christ, saying that God can hold me accountable for what I'm about to say. He, he literally said, I will take the punishment in hell if all of my brothers, if all of my people, if everybody would grasp the fact of eternity and grasp the fact that God offers salvation. Paul himself Himself will say, you know what? As long as everybody else gets it, I'll consider it and I'll cut myself off and I'll take the punishment in hell. Think about the passion and love that Paul has for people to be able to say that I will give up eternity in heaven if you guys, if y'all, if my own people would just grasp the fact of salvation. And so what I wanna talk about today, I think you need to understand that first because to be honest, maybe some people in here might not like what I'm about to say or might challenge you a little bit. For others, it might be encouraging. Uh, but I want you to know before we even get started that, that Paul wrote these words and I tell, uh, share these words with passion and love, not for condemnation, but only so you'll hear the message that Christ has for us and so that we'll be able to understand what hope is and, and help carry us through life here on earth. And so with all that being said... Let's get into our passage that we're going to study today. Uh, and it comes from Romans 8, verses 9 through 17. And I'm going to read them all. Uh, and then actually, you know, we're going to actually go backwards from what we're about to read. Paul kind of jumps from place to place and says something and says something else and goes back to what he said before. And so for the sake of explaining and teaching it today, uh, we're going to read it all and then kind of work backward, backwards in the scripture. So Romans, 9, 1, uh, Romans 8, 9 through 17 If you got it, you can follow along. It should be on the screen as well. Paul says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. 12, therefore brothers, we have an obligation but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it for if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, that in order we may also share in his glory. And so that's kind of confusing. I know if you're just reading it, you might not quite understand it, but that's okay. That's why I'm going to try to help you understand it today. Uh, But Paul in this passage is addressing both believers and non-believers. Kind of covers it all in the realm of spirituality. Those who believe in Christ, those who do not believe in Christ. Uh, But then uh, he goes on to say this, and we're going to look at verse 17 real quick. And this is literally... The end of the message at the beginning. What I want you to get at the end, I'm going to tell you right now in verse 17, uh, that, that hope for us now on earth, if we are children of God, look at, look at 17. Now, if we are children of God, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So hope for us on earth is the eternity in heaven and the inheritance that God gives us when we get there. That is the reason why all of this that we're about to talk about should happen, because our hope for today, the things that we live by, that encourages us here today, is not what we get on earth, but is the inheritance that Christ has prepared for us in heaven. And in fact, that inheritance is so good that, God, uh, that Paul even says it twice, we are heirs, heirs of God. Like, remember this, heirs of God. But then he also says something else, that we are co-heirs with Christ, And if you think about it, I mean, we are sharing in the same inheritance as Jesus is. The same inheritance, but there's a reason for that, and we'll get into it a little bit later. And so verse 17, the end of the message is really at the front, so hope for us now is if we are children of God, we get the inheritance in heaven. So verse t- 12 through 16, uh, that's kind of going to be where the bulk of where our message is today. Uh, but before we get into that, I got something for you. Because we got verse 12 through 16. And before I uh, read it again, uh, it's pretty much saying this to me. The concept of, concept of Christianity is very easy. You believe in Christ, you live. You don't believe in Christ, you die, right? It's easy. Try to, try to, pretty, pretty easy to understand that living with Christ means eternal life. Living away from Christ means death. Concept is easy, but the road in between is very tough. However, if we can make it through the road and we stay encouraged by, the, by Christ, then the prize at the end is worth it. Now, it wouldn't be a message, and I know my students know this, I couldn't teach something without playing some sort of game on stage. And so here's the thing, uh, I have a cousin, his name is Bobo Bones, and he's actually a game show host, but he wasn't able to make it today, so I guess I'll take a spot. But I do need someone from the crowd, and I promise it's not anything bad, it's just a little game. Uh, is anybody willing to come up and participate with me? There we go, Steven, come on up here. I remember the concept is easy, but the road is tough. So here we go, and uh, Stephen, while you come up here, uh, we got a quick little video. You can watch it right there. This is what you're about to do, okay? Sticky situation. Peanut butter sticks to almost anything, including the roof of your mouth. In this challenge, the contestant must bounce ping pong balls in an attempt to stick one on a piece of bread covered with this nutty spread. Failure to complete this challenge in 60 seconds may result in elimination. All right, concept's easy, right? You bounce a ping pong ball. I got a little English muffin here because we couldn't afford bread. This is my uh, breakfast every morning. I'm not even kidding, so uh, I hope you don't get it because I still got to eat. So here's what you're going to do. We don't have a minute because Rick would get mad with me because the time runs out. So you got 10 ping pong balls. All right, so the concept is easy. Bounce it, stick it on there. The prize is worth it. One million dollars. Is any of our stewardship here? Is that good? No one's here. Okay, cool. You win $1 million if you get that. Concept's easy. The road might be tough. You got 10 balls. Bounce and go. And remember, everybody's watching. Hey, waiting on you. Ooh, close. It's worth a million dollars. You better get better than that. Mm, Nope. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, please don't get this. (laughs) How many more you got? You got about... You got five left. You're halfway done. Still no prize, but the concept is very easy, I I think. Oh, your family's like, please, please. (laughs) Last one. Oh, sorry, buddy. But hey, give them a round of of applause there. Thank goodness. Hey, if you were here a couple weeks ago, you'll know that what the tithe off of a million dollars, anybody... 10%? No? Lost them. Oh, no. All right, here we go. The concept was easy, but the road is tough. But if he happened to get it, the, the prize was worth it, right? The concept's easy. Let's go to verse 12 through 16, uh, and then let's see what the heck that minute to win it in Guy Fieri has to do with hope. 12 through 16. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not... To the sinful nature to live according to it, for you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Let's stop right there. So here we go. Concepts easy, task might be tough. Being led by the Spirit is simply this. And here's why we're talking about being led by the Spirit. Paul just told us this that if we are led by the Spirit, people that are led by the Spirit are are children of God. Children of God are, eternal, are in eternity with Christ. They get the inheritance. That's the hope. So how do we get that hope? How do we get that inheritance? Simply being led by the Spirit, as it just told us in 12 through 16. So being led by the Spirit, what does that actually mean? I think it's this. I think there's many ways to be led by the Spirit, but for what Paul is talking about here, I, I think it's simply this, is, is being led by the Spirit is seeking God's direction in anything that we do. Right? Concept's easy. But the road might be tough. Sometimes it's very obvious and God, you know, you can just understand that God wants you to do this instead of that. But sometimes it's very difficult and sometimes God's, God allows us to go through some difficult times or struggles or different situations in order to build our character, character and also to build our faith in Christ. That's just how God works sometimes. I mean, if we look through many examples in the Bible of people who were committed followers and faithful to God, that that their road, that their life, that the road that they lived was very tough. And so God calls us sometimes into situations or things that we gotta do, and they, even though they might not be easy, we might say, whoa, 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 God didn't tell me to do this. This is way too hard. I, he wouldn't put me in this difficult situation. I must be doing the wrong thing. But we gotta remember that God builds character and faith through situations in our lives. Look at John the Baptist, for instance. If, if you're familiar with the story of John the Baptist, he is the one who was sent to proclaim who Jesus is, and, and we, most of us know that he actually baptized Jesus and and live a faithful life to Jesus, preaching others and teaching others and showing that that this is really the Messiah. But if you know what happens to John the Baptist, he was murdered and assassinated. And his road was tough, but he stayed faithful. He was led by the Spirit. How about Paul that we're talking about here today? Remember, Paul had a rough life, and then he uh, became became a Christian and learned uh, who Jesus really was. And then He lived in prison for basically all of the time he's writing in the New Testament from city to city, teaching about Christ, sharing his love for others. See, God took him on a tough road. But he knew that the prize was worth it at the end. And so while Paul, sitting in prisons, probably got beaten multiple times. A matter of fact, he did get beaten multiple times for sharing the love of Christ. But he understood something that was far greater than what he saw around him on earth. He understood that hope is, is for us today, but the hope, the prize, is later in life. And to accomplish that, to get that, is living a life led by the Spirit. Or how about Moses? this might be the even worse one, and, and we know that Moses did a lot of good things. I mean remember if i 'm sure you know the story. he brought all the the uh, the people Israelites out of Egypt out of slavery. Remember the Red Sea crashed down oh, everybody 's drowning and stuff, and so they get past they 're free. the Ten commandments and then Moses is like, "Now what you know what do I do now and god 's like go that way. And Moses was like, okay, cool. So he goes that way for years, multiple years, and it took him into a desert, right? Y'all you know, following me? Went to a desert. M- Moses and all the people behind him were probably like, what is this dude doing? He's leading us into nowhere. We don't know what we're going to do. I think he even said, Moses, you're leading us to die. But see, Moses understood that even though this road is tough and I've got to be a leader when people are digging at my back, but what happened to Moses? He was going to the promised land, remember? And before Moses even got to the promised land, he died. He wasn't even able to see what God had prepared for him. See, sometimes God leads us on a tough road, but it's not for our glory. It's not for us. It's for his glory. And what happens in return is character and faith. It produces those kind of things. Because when we're led by the Spirit... God's direction, he always leads us to find hope and peace no matter what situation we're in. So we just have to find it. We have to grasp it. We have to realize that even though this is tough, God is here. And even though we're in a bad situation, God is here. And hope is just around the corner if you just grasp it and hold on to it. See, seeking direction is an ongoing task that we must commit our daily lives to. Again, the concept is easy, but the task might be tough. It's very easy to understand, and you might leave here today saying, yeah, I get it. i got to ask for God's direction and everything. But it's when those things come that it really gets tough. Even in the small things. How about the movies you watch, you know? Are you asking God's direction on the things you see and the things you watch? You know, are, are the movies that you might be watching, are they bringing you closer to a life led by the Spirit? Or are they bringing you closer to the world around you? Or even, I mean, look, look, look at this for, for teenagers, and hopefully you're about 30 when you do this, but when you start dating, you know, are, are you asking God's direction in the people you're dating, in the, in the girls and guys that you're talking to, and the friends you hang out with? Are you seeking God's direction? Or how about even the, the words you say to children? For parents, I'm half of one, right? That counts. Like, are we thinking about that, parents? Are the words you're saying, even in when you're disciplining, because disciplining I don't think is a bad thing, God disciplines, but even in your discipline, are the words you're saying bringing your children to Christ, or are they showing the world? Even the little things that might be tough. College choices, I know for juniors and seniors and even sometimes sophomores, it's time to start thinking about college. Are you thinking about a college out of your friends are going to, or your girlfriend, or your bae, or your boo, whatever you say these days? Or are you searching for God's direction and what he wants you to do in life? in the college he wants you to go to. But see, those are just the little things. What about in the big things? What about in the broken relationships? For marrieds and and singles? What about in the loss of a loved one? Are you seeking God's direction? What do I do now? Why did you take him from me? It's God's direction. Maybe even questioning the very existence of God. I think if you seek God's direction, that questioning God's existence may not even be a bad thing. I think two reasons why we actually question God. I think one of them is for honesty, is for general direction, and it is for seeking wisdom for God to allow you to, to understand him. I think the other one is sin. I think we question him for understanding, but I also think we question him because of our sin. And stubbornness, I think, is including in sin. And so are we seeking for God's direction? What about in families and struggles? I know we got so many different problems going on in our families, every family has struggles, but are you seeking God's direction or are you trying to do it by yourself? Are you seeking for God? Are you living a life led by the spirit to prove you're a child of God? Or are you saying, I'm a believer, but I'm gonna do what I wanna do, when I wanna do it, because it's my family. See what I'm saying? A life led by the spirit, easy concept, but when you come down to it and you actually gotta do it, it's pretty tough. And this might even be the worst one, and it kind of makes sense. going against each other, but are you seeking God's direction in the different sins in your life? Right? It makes no sense. How can I seek God's direction in sin? But but I I think it's very clear that, that, that God recognizes that we live in a fallen world, and God recognizes that we're in need of a Savior. Therefore, he knows that we sin. And so sometimes when we sin, it's like we're afraid to go in front of God and say, look, I'm sorry. He so said, I know that you've got every answer that I could need. I know you've got salvation. I know you've got a life in front of me, but, but I'm sorry. I can't come to you right now. See, sometimes we run from God even when we need to seek his direction the most through our sins. Let's look at verse 13 because now we're going to get a little better. I know that was a little deep, but, but I think we're going to get a little better. And in verse 13 uh, says this, because this goes on to the, the sin part. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die But here's the important one right here. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You want to know something cool about our God, which you might already know? But I want you to think about this, okay? We have God who created everything. He seems like this untouchable guy that, that we could never talk to. You know, he, he really should be. I mean, he, when we think of power, we think of kings or presidents, and, and we know that they're so barricaded, that there's so many guards around them, that, that if you had a problem with our president right now, I really highly doubt you could go tell him. You know, you might have to go through some things. But we have a God that not only wants to hear all of your issues, but as we see in verse 13, that he said, by if by the Spirit... See, we have a God that wants to walk alongside you. We don't have a God who sits back and says, when you get clean, you come to me. When you get all your sins done, when your family's perfect, when your relationships are perfect, when you're not fighting with your spouse or whatever, then you can come to me and I'll show you hope. But instead, see, we have this God, we have this guy, we have this dude who not only sent his son, but he tells us that he wants to walk step by step. And the only way to get through the sins of our bodies, the only way to really seek God's direction is if by the Spirit. See, we can't do it on our own, but I feel like that's what we try to do, right? We try to stop every sin. We try to get so clean so then we can go to church. But we forget that God, who is holy and mighty, wants to walk with you to help you defeat the sin. He doesn't want you to defeat the sin and then come to me because it's pointless. You can't do it. The Spirit says, if by the Spirit. That means He has to help you do that. And so I think maybe today, and this might be that challenging part, but if you're fighting a sin or if you're fighting a struggle in your life, it might not be because God doesn't want it to be there. It might be because he's tired of you doing it. He's tired of you trying to do it by yourself. And maybe just maybe he's willing and waiting for you to say, maybe I need his help in this and maybe he will help me. See, a life led by the Spirit will always find hope and peace, but we, as, as believers in Christ, have to search for it, have to want it, and have to accept and want God to come help us because He's there waiting. It's our task to, alongside with Him, figure this out. See, if by the Spirit, which means we can't do it ourselves, we need help. And if you're stuck and held captive by sin, maybe it's because you're not seeking God's direction. See, we have a loving God who wants to help you. He doesn't just expect you to change. He wants to help you change. That's the difference in our God and, and many others is that this guy wants you. He wants to help you. He doesn't just say, come. He says, let me show you the way. See, look at verse 14 now. Now, this is what happens. Now, all that, you know, I know it was tough, maybe a little deep, but, but but there's better. There's a reason for it, right? And look at verse 14. Now, this is what happens when you leave a life led by the Spirit. And I hope, I hope and pray that it makes you as excited as it did Paul, because I, I think it's making me excited, too. You never know. But here we go, verse 14. Because those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. That's it right there. Those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. That means, to me, that means this. If you come down forward and you pray a prayer of salvation and you get baptized, then your life better reflect that on a daily basis. Because those who are led by the Spirit live that way on a daily basis. And those who are led by the Spirit, who receive salvation, are children of God. And like we talked about in the very beginning, children of God literally means co-heir with Christ. You share an inheritance with Christ. And that means you're sitting with Christ, glorifying and praising our God. The same one who got you out of that sin and walked with you to the altar. That same one. So a spirit led by, I mean, a life led by the spirit is a, chi- is a child of God. And your hope for that is that in any situation, in any struggle in your life, we still have the hope that if we focus on that and we are led by the spirit, that the prize is worth it, if you want to call it a prize. The inheritance is worth it. And all of this comes from one thing. We can have hope on earth because of one thing, and that's in verse 11. I know we're skipping around, but, but we're getting there. In verse 11, it says this, And if the Spirit... If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Now, that's what I'm talking about, that same spirit that wants to walk beside you. Now, this is crazy. This really blew it up for me to to fully understand how we share inheritance with Christ. Uh, Literally, that verse, to me, uh, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is now living in you. So the same spirit... When Jesus was dead and crucified on the cross, and remember the three days he rose, that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, when you accept Christ and you live a life led by the spirit, that same spirit is now inside of you. Therefore, when we die here on earth, just like Jesus defeated death, we too will defeat death because of the spirit of God. You you follow me now? Is that the spirit of God does way more things than just direct you but it also gives you the life, gives you hope, gives you peace, and gives you the calmness to get through life because we understand the inheritance that is in heaven waiting for us. Now, Paul also addresses one more thing non believers, I mean, believers as well as non believers. And I'll go through this real quick. I know we're running short on time, uh, but that's okay, right? Uh, verse 9. I want to read this real quick, and I got a couple more verses for you. Uh, verse 9, Paul says this You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you and if anyone does not have the spirit, he does not belong to Christ. And so what I'm reading that for is cuz Paul recognized it and I hope uh, I hope we do too and I hope that you can share this with somebody else is that not everybody belongs to Christ. And that's a problem. That's a thing. And, and Paul puts it very clearly that not everyone belongs to Christ. And so some people might not receive that hope. And I know for a fact some people living on earth do, does not have the hope of eternal life. Because as Paul said, they simply do not belong to Christ. And I think that is salvation. But I also think... That some people might have received or prayed that, but remember, they didn't back it up with a life led by the Spirit. So I think Paul's kind of addressing a couple things here. And so my challenge for those who might be struggling is simply this, that God offers it for everybody. It's not just the certain ones, the every other one sitting in the pew. It's for everybody who's willing to grasp the fact that Jesus died for us. And that, that salvation is ready for us and hope is ready for us. And if we continually put Christ in our situations and in our struggles, and if we live a life led by the Spirit, the non-believers around should see that, should recognize that. And hopefully it gives us an opportunity to share with them. See, how do we get this, though? How do we understand and grasp this hope? Again, Paul, in a couple of chapters back, said this in 322. 322. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all believe. And righteousness literally is talking about the Spirit. So the Spirit of God is given to everyone who believes. It's very simple. The concept is easy. If you believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, then it's available for you. His grace is available for you. His hope is available for you. We just have to grasp it and understand it and live by it. See, it's available to everybody. We just have to grasp it. And and again, one more, Romans 5, 8 says this, those who live according to sinful nature have their minds set on what what nature desires. But those who live according to the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind, I'm sorry, the mind of a sinful man is death but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. Now, this is the important part. The sinful man is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature simply cannot please God. The reason I read this is because I want you to understand if you're dealing with someone in your family or maybe even yourself, if you're just like, I can't grasp the fact. I just don't understand why God's not coming into my life and understanding or, or why can't I follow what God wants me to do? I think Paul says it very clearly. The sinful mind is hostile to God, it does not submit to God's law, nor can it. See, God's law, God's promises is reserved for those who are children of God. And if we're not a children of God, then we will not be able to understand why it is important to walk led by the Spirit. See, it's very, Paul says it very clearly, so my whole point in that is saying that it is available. If you're struggling and you just can't figure out where I'm going in life, focus on what the God wants you to do. Focus on this grace that is available for you, and remember that sometimes we just can't figure it out. God wants you to struggle sometimes, because struggle brings, brings character, and character builds your faith. And so in wrapping up, I just want to talk about again. The road is tough, but the end is worth it. And and going back to verse 17, it, it really comes down to this. Our life on earth should be different because of the gift of eternal life. We should walk through the Spirit in every area, every decision, even sin. We should seek God's direction in that because of the promise of eternal life. And because Jesus already defeated death, we can stand on the promise of hope and know, just like he did, we will as well because the same Spirit that rose Jesus, is in your life as well. And if it's not, it's available. And Christ is waiting. Remember, the same spirit that rose Jesus is the same spirit that will lead you down any road, any struggle, any problem. God wants you to, to grasp his fact. He wants you to grasp the salvation. But we have to understand it. And if you're struggling today, if you just can't find that hope and peace, I, I think it's pretty clear that, that Paul says it, says it very, very clear. Um, that the mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. If you're struggling to find that life and peace, maybe your mind isn't controlled by the Spirit. And maybe you're a believer, and I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is that, that you have to, to, to continually work at being led by the Spirit of Christ. You have to continually work to have your mind set on what the Spirit of God wants you to do. And if we continue to do that, if we live a life led by the Spirit, the promise of eternal life is ready for us, is there for us, and it's really even more than eternal life, it's, it's being a co-heir, a co-heir with Christ, celebrating alongside Jesus, you know, thanking Him for, for the sacrifice He made, and, and praising God, the one who created it all, the one who wants to walk step by step with you. Eternal life, led by the Spirit, it's so important. This isn't a life for us to just run free and do what we want. This is a life that we need to live led by the Spirit because we understand the grace and peace that is awaiting us. And so that's what I want to leave you with today. I I pray that the same way we read in in Romans 9 that, that Paul's passion and love for people, I pray that it came out today. And I pray it inspires you to share that same passion and love because people around us need it. People around us need that life and peace that Paul is telling us about. And we have to be the ones to do it. But before we say it, we got to live it. A life led by the Spirit, you find peace in life. A life led with sin is death. The concept is easy. The road is tough. Struggles builds character. Character builds faith. Don't quit. Realize God is teaching and trying and trying to share and show you how to have faith. And remember, with all that, through anything in life... Look forward to the promise set in eternal life. Look for the promise of hope. Look for the promise of peace because it's there waiting for us. We just have to grasp it and understand it. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful to come before you. We're grateful to hear some words, Father, from one of your your faithful, Father, that try to teach us and show us, Father, how to live life on earth, Father, the way you uh, intended it to be. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice as you sent your son to die for us, Father, that we may be able to have hope and peace. And so today, Father, I pray that that you encourage uh, everyone in this room, Father, including myself, that we'll be able to live a life led by you and that we'll be able to understand the grace that you've given us, Father. And that that will in turn allow us to live a life, Father, that you uh, will, will be glorified with. Allow us to defeat our sins, Father. Allow us to defeat our struggles. But, Father, help us. Don't just do it for us. We love you, Christ. We thank you for this time and we'll commit it to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray these things. Amen.